And now, some rudimentary beatboxing. Welcome to season three of the Rooted In podcast. Wicka, wicka, what? I would say that wasn't like that. rudimentary. That was rooted mentry. <laughs> High five. Oh, that was Don't we get a good sound? Oh, there we go. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> podcast high five. Uh, that turned out well. Did it? Yeah. <laughs> we'll let the listeners it decide. It turned out. <laughs> so, she took her hood off and lost all her Claire, skills. Claire, welcome to episode two of the Rooted in Language podcast. Thanks, Maura. What's episode two about? Episode two is about pie again. Oh my gosh. And what the pie looks like when we're in the gaining skills stage. Oh. Not just in the gaining skills stage, but also the practicing skills stage. Two stages? For the price of one pie. Who knew? <laughs> it's actually two pies, though. So. Oh. Two stages and two different pies, which is better, because more pie is better. <laughs> exactly. So last time we talked about introducing skills. So if you missed that one, go back and listen to it. So if you have a, a brand new reader or a struggling reader who you're really uh, introducing some new reading and writing skills to, you'll want to listen to that podcast. Right. Yep. You don't want to miss the first pie. That's right, which is a pivotal theme of that episode. Right. And just as a reminder, the kind of theme of this season is that we are... Um, bringing images to you to illustrate important teaching concepts and making them visual and enjoyable as we try to do with our teaching. Yep, and if you listen all the way through this episode, we are very excited to bring you a lovely discount code at the end, so keep your ears open. Because these pies are visual, we have them in blogs that you can also read. So we are assuming now, last time we talked, we talked about introductory skills, and we were talking about how kids really need to get this automatic connection from the sound to the letter, which is called automaticity. And um, that's really what we're about in a big way when we're just introducing skills or working with struggling readers to really get them launched into reading and writing. But now we're going to assume that they've gained some automaticity. For some struggling learners, that automaticity may continue to be a struggle, but they're getting the sound to letter connection. And now we're really working on gaining skills. So this pie is going to have more pieces now. More and a reminder, minutes. oh, I'm sorry. sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Chip, I'm Deb. <laughs> throw this comment in more ingredients oh <laughs> that was really short a meta- that was, I just more pieces more ingredients it was playing off of her previous ingredients her previous <laughs> or it's like you interrupted me for that for that <laughs> um I was just going to remind everyone that um, talking about some automaticity gain doesn't necessarily mean that they're at 100% mastery, right? So automaticity can be a word that sounds a little bit like, you know, it means you're totally automatic. What that means is we're working on getting automatic, which is a process that takes time. Time, we've now moved on to beginning to gain some other reading and writing language arts skills while still working on this huge slice of the sound letter connection automaticity. Right, so sometimes that automaticity can um, be what separates the um, typical reading, typical learner 
from the struggling mm-hmm. learner. It's a struggling learner will, as I said, go on for a little while, really trying to get that fast mapping. The speed can continue to be a problem. But they have the idea. We're moving now into this gaining skills area. Still a lot of skills being introduced here. We still have a lot of letter and sound work going on, and that's really taking up more than half of our pie. And that letter sound work can be a mix. It's a bit, um, well, I don't want to say it's a stew because now I'm really mixing metaphors. Right. But oh, it could be like a, like a meat pie, you know, where you, there you go. make a stew, but it's like still in a pie. It's yeah. the filling. Just say to, the filling. The filling. Sweet pies. Yes, that's true. And now we're on to Ooh, Great British Baking Show. Pie. This uh, savory pie, like Great British Baking Show. <laughs> show. I cannot I'm say bad. that, can I? The Great, Great British, British Baking Show. Great baking. British Baking Show. Oh, show offs. show offs. <laughs> show offs. All right. Anyway, this sound and letter work is a mix, the savory portion of the pie, that includes things like your spelling work and your word study and your multi-sensory games. So when you're thinking, oh wait, how much language arts? That was the question we posed in the last podcast. How much language arts time over the course of the month am I putting toward all this sound and letter work? It is more than half basically. We're still doing a lot of it. Does that mean everything is a drudgery? No. We have lots of multi-sensory games. We're engaging in word study. We have some spelling work going on. We're still, though, gaining skills. So it's a lot about this sound-to-letter practice. And something to just remind you of, if, if you haven't listened to the first one yet, you may have noticed that the answer to the how much she just gave was a proportion. She said more than half. And one of the things we challenged you on in the first podcast, or, or rather suggested, was that we're not thinking in terms of minutes of the day. How many minutes on this? How many minutes of this? How many minutes on this? You'll end up splintering yourself too much and not achieving a lot of deep learning or really spending the proportionate amount of time in these areas that need you know, a lot more focus at this stage than they do at this stage. So now that we're in the gaining skill stage, we are again looking at our, our language arts week or month as opposed to day by day and talking proportionally letter and sound work should be kind of working together working on that code establishing automaticity more than half of your week or your month but focus more at this word study level spelling patterns we're really getting much more into that as we do this sound and letter work and if you're unfamiliar with word study that we keep tossing around here um, it's, it's kind of our phrase we've come up with for the idea of morphology and etymology kind of combined in that um, etymology is the, the study of a word's history. Where did it come from through time? Um, which explains a lot of what we tend to think of as irregular spellings. They're not actually irregular. They've just come through a different path than some of the phonics that we now uh, recognize more readily. Um, and also then combining in morphology, the idea that words are made up of meaningful parts, um, base words, prefixes, and suffixes. And we do have a class in that. We have a couple of products that support um, that practice. 
and people refer to as the spelling patterns that you see as orthography and in fact we do learn to have this fast word form memory where we do what they call this fast mapping of words where we become familiar with spelling patterns and we recognize words quickly it doesn't mean we're not still tracking sounds the brain research is supporting that our phonological system our sound system is is lit up is getting blood flow at the same time as this visual word mapping system um they, they one comes in slightly before the other but they kind of at at once kids get this automaticity they're both all those both of those areas have neurons firing so we need to be working on helping kids coordinate all those systems and they all have big fancy names um, but our easier names we have here in our blog on our uh, our pie chart is word study spelling and phonics and the games are these multi-sensory games that allow kids to to uh, really track sounds and discriminate sounds so if you're visualizing your pie so far we've talked about this kind of more than half chunk this biggest chunk which we've called letter and sound work which involves all of those things it involves word study work and, and spelling pattern work and sort of coordinating how phonics works into all of that and how the sound system is layered in um, and then games that help you practice those things in a multi-sensory way for getting that automaticity and games can also provide context and everybody learns better with context right. there's some reason i'm learning this there's some meaningful point <laughs> and they also provide some fun and you know right <laughs> fun <Whoa>. is nice <laughs> a woohoo woo um so just like in the introducing skills um kind of the other two pieces that are that are well they were the only other two pieces on the first the first pie, pie but now they're the other two like large pieces um are reading and writing um so they're kind of these next not quite as big as the letter and sound work sections, um, but they are they are good sized slices. Um, slices, maybe about a sixth, kind of looks like. Mm -hmm. um, and for reading and writing, we're working in a controlled text environment, um, which the difference here you have co controlled text and uncontrolled. Yeah, I often call it literature. <laughs> you know, controlled text versus literature. Versus literature. That's yeah. a good way of putting it. Um, <laughs> So controlled text would be things that are, it's sentences, paragraphs, whatever it might be, that is controlled for specific rules, um, phonics, patterns, whatever they might be that are being learned in a certain order. So if you've only learned short vowel sounds, the text you're using is only going to have short vowel sounds Matt in it. sat on cat, and as you can imagine, controlled text can feel kind of stale, right. because it doesn't have a lot of stilted meaning, yeah. right? Yeah. Kind of stilted, and honestly, you know, being in the business now, working on pinwheels of having to work on some controlled text, it's hard to write controlled text that ha feels you know, that, that elicits any kind of emotion from your right, reader. Right, <laughs> right. Um, Tracy does a pretty good job, though. That's true. Yeah, <laughs> I try. It's true. <laughs> Nonetheless, though, it is a really important stage in the getting to this... Um, competency. Competency, thank yeah. you. Literary competency. Um, because if you don't understand rules, if you don't understand a certain piece of the reading writing system you're not going to be able to engage fully with it in reading or writing so you have to work from a place of knowledge um in order to move forward 
I think about controlled text as being important for um, for getting this buy-in from your learner, right? I'm learning these rules and I'm learning this code and here it is working, right? <laughs> right. I've learned this it's, code. It's our work to a level of success. Right, and I can apply it and I'm and it's worked. I've read this and yeah. I've understood and these, then these sounds I put together and it made this word and then I put those words together and it made this sentence. Whereas if you throw a lot of irregular literature at them from the beginning you get especially students who struggle you get a lot of oh I've come across something I don't know what to do I don't have any skills for that particular word so I'm gonna guess and you build this habit of guessing anytime they don't have the skill there as opposed to working from an area of I have the skills I can apply them and it worked right so in the last podcast we were talking about they really are learning a code and we call reading decoding and we call writing encoding. So controlled text just stays with the code they have learned and isn't yet throwing code at them that they have not learned. But meanwhile, we're working to learn the next pieces Mm -hmm. in the code and that's why they're gaining skills. That's why we call it gaining. They've gotten the idea, but they don't have it all yet. They don't have the whole pie. Right, they (laughs) don't have the whole pie yet. So we may be working on short vowel sounds and long Long vowel sounds and maybe we know our bossy R's but now if you take in our vowel class you know we divvy up our vowels um, in some categories but there are some other vowels or vowel spellings that we have not learned yet and so we keep the text at this more controlled level so they can in fact decode and we try to help the writing also stay in this more controlled way so they experience success as Tracy said with their writing and one of the ways we can do this is in our copywork and dictation and we show a lot of this in our class that we teach throughout the year our coaching class called Roots and Twine where we're really working on how do we use copywork and dictation so that it's supporting this gaining of skills. Right. And 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 a term we often use consolidating lots of different language arts skills together. Um, one thing I want you guys to always notice about these pie images as you're reading our blog and, and, and listening to us talk um, is that we're always there's always pieces of the pie present that are working on reading and writing together. Mm-hmm. We do not separate out those 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 skills reading and writing should always be being taught together in tandem and if you're looking at a phonics program that seems to work on a lot of reading before you ever put pencil to paper and are working on some writing that's not really the way our language system is meant to be built we need to be consolidating those two processes together from day one you might have a little bit of different levels happening we often have kids whose reading skills are higher than their writing skills but we want those things to always be being practiced together. I kind of think of writing as a little bit like potty training. You know, Tracy and I used to talk about this, that there's this age for potty training that's kind of the golden age. 45. And, and if you 45. go, yeah, if you go too far past, <laughs> yeah, then we have to start potty training again. You get too old. But um, I always felt like there was kind of this age, like too early wasn't great, And too late, though, suddenly potty training became this big deal that it wouldn't have been if I had introduced it to my kids at this slightly younger age. You know, so right? Not yet. Not yet. Not yet. Now, 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 too late. Yeah, (laughs) too late. Right. So I think sometimes writing can be like that. If we would just make writing this natural part of learning to read, 
Not that I'm going to read and someday, I fear it, but someday soon, we're going to work on writing. Now it's become this big scary thing. Yes, and and, and the child's like, what is this? I haven't been having to do this. I've been able to dictate to you all this time, which has been easy peasy. And boy, this is hard. And now suddenly I'm supposed to go back to this level that's below the level that I have reading. now, I'm now reading right. at, and now I don't like writing, and it looks like I have a problem. Or worse yet, you have, you have, you know, as an educator, because they're reading at a certain level, you start to introduce writing at that level, but they haven't actually gained any of those writing right. skills, and so you, they kind of fall apart because you are using their reading skills to give you an idea of what the writing skills are, but really, writing skills are not you going to be where their reading skills right. are if mm-hmm. you haven't been building them yeah. up along the way. Right. Plus, we so. preach a concept we call say it as you write say it while you write we call it a lot of different things we try to stay but but it's a it's a practice that cements that sound to letter relationship right so if you're constantly saying the sound a letter makes as you're writing that letter then you're constantly reinforcing that connection in your brain one informs the other so because original writing can be lagging behind that's one of the reasons why we're such big proponents of copywork and dictation because it's a place that kids are really gaining skills in their writing even though um, that their original writing is having a hard time keeping up. And we're showing kids success, as you guys have all talked about, mm-hmm. that here's success. You actually can do it. I want you to see. You can swim in this pool. We're not in the giant pool yet. We're not in the Olympic pool yet. We're still in the baby pool. But you can swim in this pool, and you can get all the way over to the other side. You can get all around that pool. You can fill half a page. Um, even though when you go to write something creative, you come up with greater roadblocks, I now know, hey, I can fill this page. And I can remember when I was young, when I wanted to learn cursive, and I would fill pages and pages and pages of squiggles. I used to sit and pretend that I was writing in <laughs> cursive, filling pages and pages. And I had the notion that all I actually needed to do now was learn the actual look up the letters because I knew I already could fill pages and pages right <laughs> I had the endurance so and cute. right so it's kind of you know it's that same thing we want kids to see I can do this I can have success oh and we all just jumped because we have a big storm going on here I think maybe God just agreed with me I'm not sure I but think we that's heard what happened yeah, yeah, that's sort what of I heard. a ha- yeah. hurrah yeah, yeah a big hurrah that's either that or I said something wrong I'm not sure but I'm gonna go with we're gonna interpret the thunder as positive thunder here. was applause right, <laughs> that's applause. right. That's right. so did you want to mention the last couple slices we I was gonna say speaking of writing since we were talking about that um, one of the other slices that is now smaller Um, but it's still on there is this handwriting slice. So we were kind of in the previous one, we were talking about letter formation, right? Letter practice. Um, now it's moved to this handwriting practice, which is, um, yeah, a smaller, smaller proportion, but is still on there. Still a skill that needs to be practiced and needs to be come, come back to again and again. And copy work and dictation also allows you to be working on handwriting kind of folded Mm -hmm. into that, right? Mm -hmm. We talk about those. Uh, writing and reading slices as being kind of these more umbrella skills and that is because they're really where you can be folding in these other individual slices quite a bit in this kind of um, you know repetitive 
type work like like swimming laps in a pool right you're kind of getting it all together you're doing it a lot so it's starting to feel more automatic and handwriting is a piece you can fold into copywork and dictation and then we also have a slice that says mechanics which is kind of like you know those little rules about writing capitalizing and punctuation and how that happens that's very much folded into copywork but also and presentation which you're also going to practice i mean some of mechanics is how far apart are my letters right. from each right. other kinds of things in the and, and how yeah. much gap do i put after a period before the next sentence starts so that it is legible right. which is also then going to leak into handwriting practice right. so again it you've is. got it's that all, overlap all right integrated yeah. and overlapped and the last little tiny slice just to talk about it really quickly is a thing called caution words we call them caution we words. call them caution yeah. words yeah um which is just starting to introduce some of the words that are maybe high frequency, so they show up a lot, but are not always phonetic. The. Um, the is a good one. Was is a good one. Uh, want. Uh, yeah, want. Um, some. Of. Right. So <laughs> these very common words, right, that show up all the time, especially in, like, or even early readers, in a lot of verbal, right, conversation, they happen all the time, and you might find that your student wants to write them a lot because they're those just little function words. Um, you but may have heard them referred to as sight words. Oh, yes. Yeah, or words. high frequency or words. Or high frequency, high frequency words. Um, but we're still practicing sounding our way through them, right? We're still doing the sound to letter connection. So if you're writing out a word like was, you're still doing was. But we're, yeah, we're still, we're connecting our sound system to maybe a spelling that wasn't part of our original code right. but that isn't to say that there isn't still sound layered on top of that right. word there certainly is because we pronounce it like was so we want kids creating you know creating a visual for that understanding the spelling of that but also still putting their sound system on it and it's part of the reason why um, word study has to be a part of this because we really want kids to begin to understand that spelling comes from this other place <laughs> and that talking is regional Right? Spelling is this whole history. Um, in our case, it's all the way across the ocean, you know, all these various locations that put together the English language it's system. It's a little bit more set in stone as it was originally. Yeah. <laughs> right? It doesn't change nearly as much as our no. sounds do. Right, right. Let alone just all our regional which, dialects. Which can create an entire history lesson right. in the middle of language arts, which right. is great. Which is great. And that's why it's nice to think in terms of proportions because if you end up in the middle of a history lesson, you can, in fact, have some overlap and say to yourself, hey, we did a little bit of that big chunk we needed to be working on that we were calling sound work. Um, or, or, it or it was covered. Yeah. yeah, it was covered in our history today. So, right. um, and our, or our history was covered in our language arts. I mean, right. I whichever. Go you for used whatever to do you that can. A lot in all the time. School, right. Yeah. It was like history and language arts. I can hardly separate them in my memory. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Well, I'm such a box checker in my mind too that I would say to myself, Hey, in this activity, we got these 15 things accomplished. And because I do think the way I think, I would always be analyzing all the skills that were used for this one task I could just feel really great about it but I could say that was a little bit of history that was a little bit yeah, of science she's always been that a was... double dipper watch out for her around the block of <laughs> yeah, I am I am a double 
dipper. There's no doubt. So this moves us in. Now, if you think about it, the, the typical reader may have gone through those introducing skills and gaining skills, you know, in their first year of learning to read. The struggling reader may be taking years for this, a couple yeah. years for this. But we want to get to this point where we're moving on to practicing these skills. And we have now, a pie, right, we have third, another sorry, pie. A third, a third pie, pie called a, practicing skills. Practicing skills. And if you can picture this pie, it almost looks like it's mostly thirds. We have a couple little slivers in there. Anyone want to describe that pie? Uh, yeah. So our we have we have a sliver that looks a little blended. We've got some um, some skills that are, we've now put into one slice or one third that are kind of blending together. They're bleeding into each other. So we have a, a big. I don't like calling it a third because we do have little slivers interrupting. Yeah, but, but mostly. Yeah, it's but we third. have a big third chunk called spelling and word study that we've kind of blended together. Those are now being worked on quite a bit together. So when we say spelling, we're really referring to spelling patterns, right? You've now built quite a bit through your phonics work. You've built some automatic connections, hopefully, you know, a decent automatic connection between sounds and the letters that are connected to those sounds. And then you've started tracking these spelling patterns. I like to say patterns more than rules, although we, we have spelling rules that we teach, but these patterns that are consistent that you can kind of start to expect in our language, in addition to a lot of work with what we call word study, which as Tracy mentioned earlier, um, I can't remember if it was in this podcast or it the was. previous it one. It was, this um, one. What, uh, the structure of words, this kind of almost physical building of these meaningful pieces as they come through history and how word families are connecting and the different derivatives you see that come out of a single base and that all coming together to make this understanding of words and vocabulary and spelling um and so then also you know within working on your spelling and your word study that's really bleeding together now you know comes a lot of handwriting practice you're still folding in phonics because you're always layering in our sound system and you can be working on those things we also put in games because you can be working on those skills through multi-sensory games which really helps things stick and stay visual and enjoyable um one of the next big third-like sections of it uh, is the reading section. So previously, the reading was a little bit smaller um, and was controlled text that we talked about. Now we're branching into uncontrolled text. So you're getting away from the really carefully constructed following these um, phonics rules and pieces that are carefully controlled, right, like the word is, um, into more general literature. Um, so it's going to be still at a stage that they're reading successfully, whatever that stage is. So you're always going for understanding, no or minimal guessing, right? They're still sounding right. through the words, even if they're unfamiliar. A which, high percentage of accuracy. Right, very high Even accuracy. if some words are unfamiliar, you can help support that. Right, which yeah. was where you would start blending your reading with your spelling word study section, right? right? Now we're talking about these two things together because they're sounding out using their phonics skills and um, really diving into some of the meaning of words they might be unfamiliar with through maybe word study. Well, and word study also really helps with a lot of those non-phonetic type things. A lot mm -hmm. of times, uh, suffixes, they're really not phonetic, right? right? And if you start working on a lot of, uh, you know, suffix knowledge in your repertoire, you now have gained a lot of reading skill for yeah. things that are kind of uncontrolled, right? Yeah, absolutely. And then we also still have uh, the other sort of major segment in our practicing skills pie, which is writing. And as we've talked about 
uh, reading and writing we always do together. Uh, and both of those represent sort of the folding in of all the other subskills of language arts. You practice them all in reading and writing. So when we were talking about writing in gaining skills, we were talking about copywork and dictation for a large portion of that. To, so they're, they're copying words off of a page. So they're getting a lot of practice in there with their phonics. They're getting practice with their handwriting. Um, and they're taking out that element where they have to think of their own ideas, which might bog them down. Yep. Um, they're eliminating the flow problems, you know, that you might have from your ideas from in your head. An original message, yeah, yeah, to getting them down on an actual piece right, of paper. Right. So here we're going to try and open that up. We're going to keep copywork and dictation in there, but also add more original writing. And this can be um, this can vary from student to student, from day to day. Um, it can be a lot of bits and pieces of writing so that it's not overwhelming for them. Again, we're always going for successful outcomes. So if that means I'm writing on a post-it note because that tiny little piece of paper doesn't threaten me and I'm able to open up and I feel like I can fill up a post-it note, then that's what they should be writing on. But they are writing. I'm thinking about, you know, classroom teachers who are listening to this and they're thinking, but, you know, I put kids in groups so that the strong readers and writers can do most of the work and that supports, mm-hmm. you know, the student who, say, is in this practicing skills. And the only thing I would say to that is, and I do recognize that there's a lot of value that can happen in a group and also that you have a classroom of all these different skill levels. But what I want to say is, so often in these groups, situations that means the strong reader and writer is the only one holding the pencil or the pen and the practicing skills level um, those kids aren't holding the pen at all and instead what I would rather teachers think about is how can I create situations in these groups where all kids are writing in bits so that even my kids who are in these lower writing levels, the they point. still have their own pencil. They mm-hmm. still are writing mm-hmm. their own bits. They're still doing manageable parts. The group as a whole is still working together. But it's not that the struggling learner is sitting on the sideline and watching everyone yeah, else the do the work. the rich get richer and the poor get I poorer. will say exactly. one thing I've noticed is in a, in a kind of activity where you have a group and only one joint thing is turned in, it's more likely that you'll have one person who did all of right. the writing or all of something. Uh, whereas if you have, you know, you can still have kind of a joint thing that needs to be turned in, but each each person had to, you know, write or contribute to a part of it, you know, individually and maybe with some support and help from the other kids. Then, you know, there's more ownership around the group and you can help ma- ensure that every child is, you know, practicing some skills as opposed to, you know, one person holding the pen the entire time. I'll wrap this up by explaining our last couple little wedges um, which are used in both reading and writing. One of them are these caution and common words because kids are really learning, especially the struggling learner, needs more time spent practicing these skills of this fast recognition of very common words, 
um, you know, phonetically challenging words that we talked about already. Um, they need more time reading those quickly. They need more time spelling those and writing those quickly. They need them in their copywork and dictation. So we need to have that wedge there in particular for the struggling learner. And also we've added a wedge of grammar. I mean, we could do a month of grammar in the year and you could say, hey, my grammar wedge is done. If that is what seems to work for you because you like to be this submersive kind of teacher or submersive learner, or you like to teach all your concepts up front and then practice them throughout the year, you know, I, I think it's a lot about what works for you, what works for your classroom, what works for your homeschool. Um, or you can say, in my week, there's always going to be grammar in that week. It's going to be this wedge, but I just want you to know that even though we've called it a wedge it still gets practiced in reading and writing all sure. the time copy and, work and dictation great place right it's a it's a great place for it but you, we still were now ending on this practicing skills level there was always this saying that you're learning to read and write through third grade and right around third or fourth grade the shift is now you're reading and writing to learn and if you think about it, this practicing skills, we're up through this level, we're still mostly learning our reading and writing, and we're just on the cusp of making this shift where I'm really using reading and writing to learn. Now, the truth is, learning's going on all over the place. So in a way, that's kind of a crazy saying. But I think it does help us think about where around this student would be. We hesitate to give ages or grade levels. We talk more in stages because we're always working with struggling learners who are across all age levels and all grade levels. Uh, thank you guys so much for listening. We will be finishing up this little three-part uh, opening to season three with the third episode, which will be coming out next month. Um, you made it all the way to the end, uh, and for that, you get a second helping of pie. <laughs> In the form of, uh, we have a discount code for our website, which is 10% off everything in the shop, so all our classes and our instructional materials, and the code is second helping. So second helping, S-E-C-O-N-D-H-E-L-P-I-N-G. So go ahead and enjoy that pie. You can learn more about us at rootedinlanguage.com. You can also find our YouTube channel as well as our Facebook page and our Instagram page. Uh, and you can join our community on Facebook, the Rooted Community.